0: Hello, I'm Alexandra Coffey of Grow Where You're Planted and today I am joined by artist, actor, photographer, singer and musician Philip Hale. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Oh my goodness. Hello, Phil. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm really well. We've we've successfully connected. I've, I love. I love. <laughs> I've just. I've just introduced you as an artist, actor, photographer, yep. singer, and musician, and also my friend. And and I was having a giggle thinking that's a lot of slashes. You know.
1: Yeah they they don't they, they don't call me Phil the slasher. For <laughs> <laughs> I got Where it. Where are, are you,
0: Phil the slasher? Where are you right now?
1: Um, I am. In my dad's pool shed, um, mm-hmm. in the tropics, far north Queensland, a place called Townsville, only known <laughs> as the birthplace of the Power Power Puff Girls, but they don't exist.
0: Is that is that actually true?
1: Yeah, yeah. I had no idea until I was telling someone, and they're completely into those kind of shows, and they're like, "No way, are the Power Puff Girls there?" And I'm like, "Who?" So that's I
0: hilarious. I didn't know that.
1: I didn't know either. There you go.
0: I, I do know of Townsville, though.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you know of Townsville?
0: Uh, that it's up north and it's hot. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it is. And, well, that's it, really. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> just joking. No, it's a great place. Amazing. Uh, it's up in the tropics of Australia. However, it's a little bit uh, of an anomaly up here. It's actually in a rain shadow, so it's quite arid even though we're in the tropics.
0: Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: See, now, for me, the anomaly is this. If if we begin from the very beginning, I was crunching some figures last night, mm-hmm. and by my calculations, you and I met 19 years ago now in Tokyo. Wow. But you're originally from Townsville, right?
1: No, originally from Wollongong.
0: Wollongong.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm a gong boy, Yeah. Mm. Good in uh, Sydney, moved up here as my dad uh, was up here and I just wanted to check it out. Moved to Melbourne, then moved to Tokyo when I was 23 in
0: 1998. Wow. Yeah. So you were, you were 23, I was 19, I was fresh off the boat and I think you'd been there for maybe a handful of years. Yeah, I must,
1: have, I must have seen like an old, old school dude or something. <laughs>
0: well, you knew stuff, so I, attached, I promptly attached myself to you. You knew, you knew oh, the language
1: oh, and uh,
0: well, you knew everything and I knew nothing. That's how it, that's how it was.
1: Damn. Connect. Long
0: time ago now.
1: It is, but you know what? Blink of an eye, let me tell you. Blink of an eye.
0: I know. How long have you been back in Australia?
1: Um, I moved back to Australia um, actually almost exactly three years ago. Uh, So I was in Japan for 19 years in Tokyo. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Moved to Sydney two and a half years and came up here six months ago. Wow.
0: Wow. So a very sort of different life. Are you singing and performing and acting and and doing that sort of thing in Townsville or is it a a different
1: world? Um, When I close my eyes at night uh, or in the shower (laughs) or in my dreams, I'm definitely singing and acting uh, and doing all the fun things that uh, I used to do. But no, no, I'm not actually, no. (laughs)
0: it's interesting isn't it where our where our careers take us or or what a difference geography means I think uh for me personally I've I've been an expat a number of times now I I spent four years in Tokyo and then two in the Netherlands and I'm sure you can relate to this I think that your expat relationships kind of take on a different kind of shape to any other sort of friendship would Mm. you agree with that
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, especially in a bizarre place like Tokyo in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, like, mm. you know, I mean, Japan as was, uh, well, maybe we can talk about the was later, but uh, it was mm. the hotspot, you know, of world travel. It became ex- super accessible. But um, back in the day, you know, it was it was very, very old school. And, I mean, when I moved there, they didn't have any... English signs at the train station or anything like that. So Mm. um, you really gravitated towards people that could speak English. Mm. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So um, with that in mind, you know, you're pretty quick to let down your walls and become, you know, you were just your true self, to be honest. You were very, well, for me anyway, very honest and very open and, and that was actually a really nice and freeing experience and something that I've held on to even till now, to be honest. I
0: agree. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like there's a, a concentration to it. You don't, mm. you don't have a whole lot of time to waste and also you don't have anyone to lean on or depend on. You know, there's no relatives or, or childhood friends that are going to put up with your bad behaviour. It's all who's around you and, and who respects you. And, and for us, we, we made music together. We were involved in this whole sort of creative world that, I don't know, it just really felt like a unique time in history. And, like, everyone I knew was talented. Mm. I mean, I know some talented people now, but Tokyo was, for me, a very unique time in my life.
1: I think um, Tokyo's unique in itself where it's such a – it's the biggest megalopolis on earth. So, you know, you can't embrace the whole city and what you do is – you create the world that you're living in. So you gravitate to what interests you, you leave behind what doesn't interest you. And for us, I guess, or I will say for myself, was that, you know, being around the bar set and being around, you know, live music and things like that, you got to connect with people with similar interests a lot quicker, I think, than what you do when you're fumbling through not as large a city, but trying to embrace the whole city as one?
0: Absolutely. After um, some four years in Tokyo, I I then moved to Melbourne and I I actually really struggled to make friends. And I was really confused as to why that was so challenging. You know, I thought, hang on, I don't have a language barrier. I'm not navigating a whole new geography. It's all pretty straightforward. Um, But I think... In a way, expats, particularly in a place like Tokyo, you sort of stand out. You know, I'm blonde, blue eyed. It's pretty obvious I'm not from there.
1: I'm six foot five.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You've got that going for you.
1: <laughs> Woohoo.
0: You, you, did, you did stand out. And also, six foot five in Japan just was, it just continued to be amusing, right?
1: <laughs>
0: and painful. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can hardly fit in the, you know, the, the train seats and all the, and all the rest. But what I also think is that when you move away from a place, I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Sometimes Mm. you can feel a little bit left out. Mm. Um, You know, people raise their kids or there's marriages, there's deaths, there's this sort of thing. And, of course, for Mm -hmm. the both of us initially with Tokyo, that was all pre-social media. Mm. I opened up a a Facebook account in 2007, you know, Mm. after about a year of, of living in Melbourne and then you have access to people's lives and it's easier mm. to maintain relationships in a way. But mm. uniquely, I think at the moment in a, in a time of COVID, um, I'm finding my friends overseas have all the time in the world <laughs> to, to chat and connect and um, catch up and Zoom parties and this sort of thing. What, what's been your experience in recent well, months,
1: if you like? Well, I mean, it's, it's been interesting for me too, because, uh, being in Japan until 2017, so I went through the whole trying to stay connected with my friends, uh, back in Australia and also, you know, the friends that you made in Tokyo that, you know, ended up moving on and leaving. Um, and then when Facebook did kick in and I, I was all over that, you know, and, and, um it it became quite a lot easier to maintain a connection with people. You know, they always say that you're old and true friends. You know, you just pick up the phone and or meet someone and, and it's like you've never left, you know. And I was very fortunate to be able to go travelling as well. And so, you know, I'd pop into London or New York or LA or Barcelona mm. or whatever. and And the friends that you connected with in Tokyo were there and you just picked up from where it was. Um, but with uh, regards to social media and connection in times like this, you know, um, one particular large time for me, yeah. uh, which kind of I relate to was 2011 uh, triple disaster of the earthquake uh-huh. and the tsunami and the radiation. So I I had the experience of using, like during that time, I was even trans. A lot of my friends couldn't speak Uh, Japanese, and so I was using Facebook to translate what the news was telling us, you know, and it almost became not so much a community service but but a way to, you know, help out my friends and stuff, you know, and we couldn't really go around and and stuff. Literally, I mean, the earth was moving for six months and, you know, you think of a big earthquake and it's just boom, there, it's done. No, we were getting hundreds of, you know, five, six, seven uh, magnitude Earthquakes a day um, for six months. So I've had, I've experienced that. Um, were, so were you then um,
0: housebound to, as well? Was it sort of similar to this self isolation experience?
1: It was to, for the first couple of weeks, it was just because they weren't sure what was happening with the radiation of Fukushima. Like I, mm. you know, you even had to, like, well, I did. You know, tape up your windows and make sure that there wasn't much air coming in and all these different things. And, but it was just unsafe to go outside, to be honest. And, um, so, you know, that was kind of similar in, in, in a certain way. But, um, when you could, I mean, I still snuck off to my local bar that was open and things like that. So there wasn't (laughs) so much, you know, you, you couldn't, you gotta have a beer. Um, (laughs) you couldn't, you couldn't, um, you, you, you could still be, you know, next to or near people and hug and, and touch and, and all those things. So um, it's different in that respect this way, yeah.
0: Wow. It's,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, that actually but, also seems um, like a lifetime ago too. When when I was living in Tokyo, you might average one one earthquake a month. Like that was sort of yeah. standard. I remember one evening in October there were three. And I was fucking terrified. <laughs> like I just I can't imagine six months of not just tremors, actual quakes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean you you ended up like not trusting the ground you were walking on. So not to mention the lives that were lost and you were always looking to see if that earthquake, you know, was triggering another tsunami somewhere or mm. or things like that. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of living in that kind of paranoid fear was really stressful and it really took its toll on people and and i can see kind of similar things like getting back to connecting you know through technology mm. you know i'm 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 often uh reconnecting and and just checking in on my friends in places you know like paris where they've been locked down for what almost 2 months now you know and uh needing permits to go scratch their bum you know it's just Quite literally it, literally yeah, so it's um for them, I just I, I my heart goes out to you know people that are in in situation we're super fortunate in Australia, I think, um whether or not you people politically agree with what's been going on is another thing, but um <laughs> what <you> government know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> But uh, that's a, that would be another podcast. Yeah, we can definitely um, we'll do that further down the track. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's, we're not in we're in a very privileged uh, country. Um, you know, we've got literally millions of people that have lost their jobs, but they're in some way trying to be supported, and, and it's it's just a hard thing. You know, it's um, something that's never been never happened before. Oh, no, really. it's, so it's unique.
0: Uh, I also agree that we are fortunate in that we've had the advantage of the, the rest of the world's experience. You know, you and I both have friends in Europe um, who, as you're saying, have, have now been in lockdown for, for two months um, mm. and they're, they're exchanging their experiences, their anecdotes and their frustrations. And so for me, when it finally sort of landed here, I felt a little bit more equipped, I guess, um, mm. and perhaps not as shocked and I tend to lean more on anecdotal evidence of people I trust than the media, <laughs> you
1: know, or or the government. Um, mm. Yeah, in that way. I think well, that's 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 uh, you know, but I mean, you, you've obviously got to make choices about what you listen to and what you don't, and where you get your education and your ideas and stuff from, as in life anyway. Mm. <laughs> like you know, um, mm. but. I'm I'm worried about Tokyo at the moment. You know, like during what we were going through, um, 2011. You know, the government is very. You know, they stopped freedom of speech in media, and that law still exists today. So Boy. they really want to manipulate what they were telling their people, and uh, I'm very worried about them uh, and what the government's response has been over there at this point in time. And 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 I can't. You know, I I'm zooming my old regular bar place at the moment two or three times a week, you know, catching up, and mm. which is an amazing thing to do. Everyone's in their home and it's funny watching someone, you know, on, on Zoom having a beer in bed with their little <laughs> stuffed boy rather than being all glammed yeah. up at the bar, you know, with their with their uh, bells and whistles. But, um, yeah, it's sort
0: of less polish and veneer, isn't there? People are kind of forced to be a bit more authentic. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah me too i think I think there's a lot of blessings and a lot to be to be grateful for um, as a as a result of this. My father today has um, driven to Sydney to attend his brother 's funeral and he's
1: mm-hmm. He's
0: one of ten that you know are, are permitted in the room and as an Irish Catholic family, <gasps> that just seems surreal that we 're not all there mm-hmm. and we 're not having a big wake and hugging and crying and and loving one another. Um, I know you called me a couple of weeks ago and, and mentioned a dear friend and colleague of ours had passed away unexpectedly. <laughs> tell tell me a bit about
1: that. Well, uh, he was uh, definitely an icon, mm. iconic foreigner living in Tokyo for many years, uh, a very boisterous, uh, loud, <laughs> yet biggest caring man, um, and he passed away suddenly, to be honest. Um, mm. It was actually about a week and a half or two weeks ago. And um, very upsetting. But uh, his daughter lives here in Australia. She couldn't go back to Japan, obviously. Mm. His wife, you know, lives in a different part of Japan. They couldn't go. He was in back in Tokyo doing some work or, or, or such and um, passed away suddenly and we ended up having to do a Zoom memorial, which was interesting on two counts. One, you know, just taking it to that um, and and letting technology bring us together without that touch and that um, freedom to be able to express yourself. You know, being mm-hmm. on Zoom, you all had to be muted. You had to, like, write down when you were going to say something. And, and And so it was a little bit, um, odd to be honest, um, but at the same time, it was an amazing thing to be able to still do. Uh, but the best, the positive of it was that there were people from you know Canada and England and uh, obviously Australia and Japan like just linked the whole world, which was quite uh interesting to be honest. And uh, it was a, a wonderful experience, um, to have. I know that's a bit weird to say about a funeral, but um this act, this guy he's legally changed his name to cloudy bonbon <laughs> i know bless him <laughs> bless i mean and guess what his funeral his funeral was on the 20th of april yeah perfect <laughs> and and we had a minute silence from 4:20 p.m. for him oh, so I love, this. I love this for him that's
0: perfect it's really well, the
1: thing is like is it is he uh it, he went he had these two or three year long standing you know he'd create his joke you know mm. and is this another creation i don't know it's got me wondering but i think <laughs> i think he's happy to have passed and left us with you know this final hurrah to be honest but um bless his his lovely daughter holly beautiful wife aya and and his mum and and his uh family that he's departed, you know, but still left a massive smiling heart in everyone, I think.
0: Yeah. It's phenomenal. Like an amazingly sort of beautiful, surreal experience. And I think moving forward it's it's difficult to certain how long this is gonna go on for, how many more experiences we might end up having like this. Even the idea when when you mentioned that to me that he passed, I, I had this strong impulse to be in Tokyo you know and to reunion and to to get together with all of my people that that knew him and that worked in the arts and and then of course not even having the option it just sort of made me feel really <laughs> just frustrated and mm. uh, misunderstood almost you know we're just we're kind of housebound and um mm. that's not usually how i respond to to someone's passing you know
1: yeah yeah it's kind of almost It's almost selfish to think about that in a way, isn't it? Like, I don't know. I kind of felt weird myself and then I was just like, what am I doing? Stop it, you know. But it's, again, you know, it's very different to, Cloudy has been there for a long, long time. And um, even though he was stuck out like a, you know, a sore thumb, you know, he still had a lot of respect for Japan and and its people. And, um, yeah, it's just different to how a a Japanese funeral would be. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, whoa, they're, they're a doozy. Let me tell you. So their funerals are more Shinto based. Is that right? Um, it can be. It's basically, you know, I mean, it's, it is bringing together people and, and and kind of celebrating them, but it's, it's also a, 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 a handing them over to death. Like literally, you know, I mean, you go in, um, and, you know, you, there's the, you put a flower on the funeral. I went to put, you know, you put a flower, flower on the, on the deceased and then the casket, you all stand around, you watch it go into the oven and the flames go on. Mm. You go upstairs for an hour 45. We had music and people singing because my friend that passed at this particular funeral was a singer. And, Mm. um, and then you came back down and you made two lines and, Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the rule about chopsticks and not passing food from chopstick to chopstick. (laughs) Yeah, so the reason for that is that you, two by two, so you each have a pair of chopsticks and you each take a piece of the remaining bone and you place it into the urn and, and it's a sender. Yeah, so it's a really personal and it's a personal way of sending off someone and it was I was like horrified to do it but um afterwards I was like wow that's an amazing way to send someone off you know like mm. and then the the priests you know the final pla- pieces of bone are like I think it's it's cock the coccyx goes down you know and this was the the bone that centered your body to the Um, to your legs, which connected you to the earth. And then the next one was like, um, I think it was the, it was one of the, the lumbar, I don't know, one of the bones in the back. Mm. And then the next one was the voice box and that goes on. And that was obviously, you know, the person, you know, and who they were and how they communicated to the world. And then the last one was that the cranium, like the three, section of of the skull went onto the, the top, you know, and, and then it was all signed, sealed, delivered kind of thing, and you'd sent them off, you know. Hmm. Uh, just amazing. <laughs> amazing. I know. I know. And the thing is, it's like, it's so emotional, but and it's, there are a lot of people that couldn't do it, and that's I I understand that and um mm. but uh for me it was just something it was like I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it and then when it was explained to me, I was like, Oh my god, that's so beautiful mm. and uh I was very a uh, willing participant in it. Yeah.
0: Amazing experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes. You know, experiences can be good or bad or both, you know, that's what uh life is, I guess.
0: And also just new, you know, so much of my mm. time in Japan, it was like existing in another planet. It wasn't being in another country, <laughs> it was another dimension. Everything was so different to what to what I'd known. Why did you choose mm. Japan?
1: Uh, Japan chose me. Yeah. No. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, I was actually living in Melbourne uh for a few years back in the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um dying to get back there I'm sure it's changed but uh not dying obviously but well anyway bad bad The things we say. <laughs> the things we say. Um <clears throat> I was there I was down there and uh I had a great job actually in fashion industry down there mm-hmm. and I was uh I had a boyfriend and he uh he ended up getting a job as a principal of an international school over in Tokyo. Ah. And I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? And he was like, why don't you come? So he kind of like told me about the, you know, the English learning schools and stuff. And I went for job interviews. I got a job. I went over there with him. And, and so that's how I went there as a young, sprightly 23 year old really had no interest in, japan before that mm. you know except maybe a train and buildings but had no idea you know and then thrown into the throng of of tokyo particularly three months later after we broke up <laughs> awesome. yeah so i had like a you know i had a few you know nine months or something on my visa i was like oh bugger it i'll stay here so um <laughs> plot twist there, I love you know, it.
0: the boy from the gold two decades later <laughs> phil i feel like Mm -hmm. we could probably talk all day but Mm. i reckon i reckon that's probably all the time we have for now but what i would love to do if you're open to it is is i'd love Mm. to get you back on and and we can talk about all the other things what what are your thoughts
1: my my thoughts oh you you're so nice flattering my me like that you know i usually have one thought, <laughs> you know. What is um, your thought, I, Phil? <laughs> well, my thought is that that would be a great idea. I'd love to be uh, back on here and uh, shooting the breeze. And uh, you know, we've got we've got a lot of experiences together, and I enjoy talking with you. We've we've always connected very well.
0: I know, and we've managed to maintain. Um... A friendship, despite all the the distance and geography, and multiple social platforms,
1: <laughs> and time. Yeah. you know. I mean, as I said, you know, it's it's. I was speaking Greg. Remember of Greg course. from and he called Yes, and uh, he called me the other day, and it was like, ah, oh, how are you going? You know, boom, straight into it. I don't think I'd sp- spoken to him for a year and a half or two years you know mm-hmm. obviously connected and liking each other things on the various social platforms but yeah that was great and it's uh, and it's great to connect and talk with you as always
0: oh thank you it's been an absolute pleasure let's do it all again
1: oh well oh, thank you <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: thank
1: you so much bye-bye